Welcome, everybody, to week two of Everyday Jesus, and I am so impressed to see all of you on this weather event of a day. If you're joining us online or you're from another part of the country right now, we had a snowflake this morning, <laughs> and because of that, it, uh, it disrupts things a tad. So, so glad everybody in Kernersville joined us, everybody in Oak Ridge, and from wherever you're joining us online, whether it is snowy, rainy, or you're in sunny Florida, or some tropical place where it's not cold, we're glad you have joined us. Okay, so life in the 21st century, which that's our life, there is a unique challenge and a frustrating thing that we experience, and few things are as frustrating as this. Few things are as frustrating as a weak phone connection, Are you, right? Right? I mean, when you see this on your phone, you're just like, oh, man, no. I mean, it's just so, and it's kind of a modern-day frustration. 25 years ago, people didn't know this frustration, right? Because your phones were connected by a cord, and even if, even if you don't remember this, okay, because I know we're a young church. I, I mean, most of y'all youngins. I mean, I did, absolutely. But if you don't remember this, ask someone a little bit older than you to, to remind, to, to share this experience. In every house, in every house, in the 70s and the 80s, there was a phone either in the hallway or near the, near the hallway in the house. And the cord connected to this phone, it looked like it's about 10 feet long, but it essentially was 500 feet long, <laughs> right? And because it was intended to be a centrally located phone that could go into that room, that room, that room, that room, that room down the hallway or the bathroom at the end. Yeah, and you could always tell where someone was talking the phone. You do is just follow the cord or run into it like a clothesline. Remember those things used to take you out. You get all tangled up in it and everything. It's just, oh, those were good times. But see, we don't, we don't deal with that anymore. We have mobile wireless phones, but now we have to deal with these symbols. That it was never an issue before. A weak connection, the dropped calls. Isn't that so frustrating? You're talking to somebody, and you're talking, and you're talking, and all of a sudden, they're calling you back. You're like, it, you know, I, I'm, I didn't hear any of that. That's, that's frustrating. To me, the more frustrating thing is when you're talking, and it, 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 uh, it, uh, it, uh, you, you, see, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's so annoying that if I did that for the next minute, you would just get up and start walking out because I just can't even hear it's just the breaking up of a call. And what makes it so frustrating is just that, you know, you paid for good connection, right? And, and the carrier you're with, you know, good connection. But it becomes a whole different deal when you're lost and you're trying to figure out, hey, where, do I, where do I go? Where do I turn? Or you're in an urgent situation. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that. I have actually been in a couple of situations that were pretty urgent and talking to someone very, very important about something that was extremely timely and very serious, and the call was dropping in and out. And it's so frustrating. And probably the most frustrating experience of all is when your Instagram page won't refresh. <laughs> what do we do? I mean, we just... Full of phone, just forget it, right? Frustrating, a weak phone connection. Well, in the next few minutes, we're going to talk about a connection. 
A weak connection versus a strong connection, but we're not talking about phones or Wi-Fi signals. We're at week two of our Everyday Jesus series, so you guessed it. We're talking about a connection with Jesus. Sounds cliche. Hang with me. I think this will um, be something that will be timely for all of us. We're going to talk about what a connection to Jesus looks like, why it's important, what happens when it's not there, and, and how it's so much more than just attending church, which we're so glad you're here. And it's so much more than believing in Jesus or believing information about Jesus or stuff about Jesus, and all of that's important and all of that has its place, but it's crucial. And one of the reasons that experiencing a strong connection with Jesus is so important is that many of you, and maybe some of you right now, feel disconnected from Jesus or disconnected from God. And we have lots of language around this and how we describe it. And a lot of times it has to do with circumstances in our lives, right? And we look around at our lives and what's going on in our lives and our family and our marriages and our jobs or financially, and, and, and we assume I must be far away from God because things aren't going well in my life, assuming that if I was close to God or close to Jesus, then everything would just go magically, swimmingly perfect, which is a false assumption. We debunk that all the time, and, and a lot of the series we do, we keep coming back to that because it's a, it's a human assumption. If we're not careful, we all fall into that. But a connection with Jesus is so much bigger than circumstances. Circumstances are important. They're, they're valid, obviously. The other thing is, often people assume that they are disconnected because they feel disconnected, right? That God feels a million miles away, and, and that the feelings that they're feeling, they just assume that if I was close to Jesus, it would feel different. And they look around to other people that seem to have it going on, or like, well, they must be close to Jesus, so they're close to Jesus, and I don't feel like they feel, and I don't experience what they experience, so I must be far from God, and, and, and you know. Now, feelings are important. Feelings have a place, but feelings and circumstances are not what you look at to determine whether or not you have strong connection with Jesus. In fact, it has a whole lot more to do with something that I'm going to define here in just a little bit with our fruitfulness in life and the result that we experience is what is indicated by this strong connection. That'll be more in a minute. Last week, we began the series looking at one of the famous I am statements that Jesus made when Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And we saw that that communicated to us that we need Jesus, not just to, so I can go to heaven one day when I die. No, 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 no. You need Jesus every day. Like our bodies need food. When Jesus said, I am the bread of life, he is communicating, you need me every day. Today, we're going to see another one of Jesus's famous I am statements also communicating to us just in a different way, a different facet, our need and dependency on him. He's going to give us another picture, another analogy. But let me set it up like this. It's very important to know and remember when you're hearing the teachings of Jesus, when you're reading and you're reading the things that Jesus taught or you're hearing someone talk about the things Jesus taught, is to remember that it happened in a live exchange like this. When Jesus was teaching, it was very much like this, even though it was outside and, and, and not exactly like this. It was the people listening, Jesus was talking. But except back then, they, they weren't taking notes like, you know, maybe you may take notes or write stuff down on your phone. It wasn't like Jesus didn't hand out fill-in-the-blank cards, you know, now we're going to go through this. And they're like, okay, could you go back, go back? What was point two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No, it wasn't like that. The deal was, is when people heard Jesus teach, even though there was many details in Jesus' teaching, because Jesus was the master teacher, and there's so many layers, as we will dive into a few of those layers here in the next few minutes in Jesus' teaching, the whole idea is for people to hear Jesus' teaching and then walk away with the big idea, with an overall meaning, an overall impression. What was Jesus' point? What was Jesus getting at? That's so important to remember, especially as we dive into some of the minutia and some of the detail we're going to come back to, but what was Jesus saying? What was Jesus' point? What was Jesus trying to get to, to us? And that's what we need to keep in mind. Jesus was meeting with his disciples right after the Last Supper, uh, right after they had finished the painting. Um, nobody? I forget it. It's cold outside. So it's the Last Supper, and Jesus was talking with his disciples. It was the night before somebody's going to start laughing at about Five minutes, like, all oh, the painting. Yeah. It was the night before Jesus was betrayed and crucified. Now, the disciples didn't know this, what was getting ready to go down. But Jesus was trying to prepare them and going over some last-minute details, last-minute big hits. Guys, remember this, remember this, remember this, because Jesus knew that he was getting ready to leave them, and they were going to be going on their own together without him. And so it is in that context that Jesus gives us another one of his famous I am statements. And he begins this way. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. So he's setting us up to, to kind of walk through an analogy, a, a picture of a gardener or a farmer, if you will, and a vine. Now, for them, in their context, I am pretty sure they all immediately went to vineyard in their mind, right? Vine, vineyard, Middle East, it was a part of their culture. And even though you don't have a vineyard in your backyard, probably, we're around vineyards in the Yadkin Valley and in this part of the state. I mean, and maybe you, you visited some vineyards and stuff. And so you and I at least have that concept. Think vine, and in a minute, he's going to talk about branches. And branches involve us, people. And Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. It's important. Here we go. Got a lot of ground to cover. There's a lot of layers here. But, but remember, we're going to come back to the big idea. What was Jesus trying to communicate that his people, his followers walked away with? It was clear. He says, he, God, cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. That's an interesting statement, and we're going to talk about this in just a second because it helps you get the big picture. If you're a gardener, if you're a farmer, and vines are your thing, and vineyards are your thing, and growing grapes are your thing, what is your goal? To grow grapes. To grow grapes. To have fruitful vines. That's your intent. That's your goal. And when you walk out through the rows of your vines in your vineyards, you're looking for anything you can do to help those branches bear fruit, to grow grapes. You're doing everything you can to help them do their thing, right? You're removing obstacles, you're fertilizing, watering, you know, sunlight, all the things, you know, being careful for frost, all that stuff, because you're doing everything you can to help this vineyard be fruitful. But then you read this and go, okay, well, that makes sense to us, but he cuts off every branch that doesn't bear fruit. I mean, how can it, how can it be fruitful if he cuts it off? I mean, if you cut it off, it's like, you see, it's, it's almost like something doesn't make sense here. Here's what I'm going to point out to you. The Greek language, which is what this 
New Testament that was given to us, the New Testament scriptures, was written in Koine Greek, which is an ancient form of the Greek language. And Jesus was actually speaking in the language of Aramaic, but it was recorded and written in Greek. Greek language is very much like English, in that sometimes you have a word that the word can mean different things depending upon how you use it in the context. And so the, this Greek language is not a weird thing. We do it in English all the time. Here's a quick example. The word run, R-U-N. You can run a race, you can run for political office, or your nose can run. And all of that means completely different things depending upon how you use the word R-U-N. Right? And you can run DMC, which is a whole different thing. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, that's old school. So it depends on how you use the word run. Right? If you have no idea what that last joke, just type that in. Run DMC and, and get some help. That's good. It's old days. The same word. All right, let me show you. Here's what I mean. This phrase, cut off, comes from the Greek word iro. And the word iro in Greek can mean three different things. It can mean lift up, it can mean to bear, or it can mean to take away or cut off as it is referenced here depending upon the context. Now, I'm not going to get into this. It'll bore you to tears, but there's a lot of, a lot of research and a lot of evidence and stuff of, of why the English translators in the 16th century, when they translated um, the Latin and Greek into uh, English translations for the very first time, why they use the word, why they chose to translate Iro as cut off. But there are many theologians, I'm not calling myself a theologian, but I would stand in agreement that that is not the, the best interpretation of the word Iro because of the context, and I'll show you. In fact, the best interpretation of Iro in this context is actually lift up. Because it gives you the picture of a gardener, a farmer, who his whole point, his whole point is to grow grapes, right? So if he comes up on a branch that has fallen off the trellis and it's in the mud, in the dirt, and it's not bearing fruit and it came, you know, maybe it got blown off in a storm and now it's all muddy and cakey, it's gonna, it's not gonna bear fruit there. It's just gonna be fruitless. And so what does a gardener do? Does it come in and say, well, I'm gonna cut that off, cut that off, cut that off? No. He reaches down and he picks up this branch and he cleans it off, rinses it off, and then puts it back up on the trellis so that it can do what it's supposed to do. Bear fruit. Make grapes. We see that that's the context. Here we go. Let me show you. He goes on. While every branch that does bear fruit, so every branch that does not bear fruit, he lifts up so it can and then if they are bearing fruit, he will prune because that's what you do if you want more fruit, right? We know that. You know that. You got flowers. You have things in gardens. You, you prune. The pruning process is actually very helpful in producing fruit. When you prune, you get more blooms. When you prune with a rose bush or you prune, cut back, even a tomato plant, you get more and bigger great tomatoes. It's all about bearing fruit, which we'll talk about in a minute just a little bit more. And then he looked to his disciples and he said, you guys are already clean. I've already lifted you up and dusted and, and, and rinsed you off to help you, again, a big analogy here, to help you bear fruit 
because of the word that I have spoken to you. So again, you get the context? He is all about helping us bear and, and produce fruit, whatever that means, which we'll talk about in a minute. But let's keep rolling. Jesus said, remain in me as I also remain in you because no branch, and we're the branches in this analogy, no branch can bear fruit by itself. Everybody's sitting there listening to Jesus going, that makes sense, it makes sense, it makes sense, absolutely. You can't bear fruit by itself. You gotta remain connected to the vine. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So Jesus is talking about vines and he's talking about people. He's talking about vine and branches and he's talking about people. We get the analogy. Then he goes on to say this, I am the vine. Very clear. There's Jesus' big I am statement. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And again, we'll talk about that in just a minute, what that means. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Everybody's sitting there going, okay, apart from the vine, the branch cannot produce fruit on its own. You cannot take a branch and disconnect it from the vine and expect it to have grapes. It's got to stay plugged in to the vine. And then Jesus said, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers and such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. At this point, everybody's going, yep, yep, that's what we do. Yep, we see that all the time. Yep, I did that yesterday. Uh, we had some good weather and that's what I did in my vineyard and everybody's connected. Now, for you and I, when we read this and we see this, we see the words fire and burned and almost automatically think, he's talking about hail. No, he's not. This is not about hell. This is, the context is not about hell. Most of the time, the words fire and burned are used in the New Testament. It ain't talking about hell. Jesus was not talking about hell. So don't just like, oh, you know, just no, no. He's just giving people, okay, what's the big, what's the big idea here? A branch has to stay connected to the vine. The only way the branch is going to bear fruit if it's connected to the vine. If it's not connected to the vine and have a strong connection, it's going to wither and not do fruitful things. That's his whole point. And then he said this. This is interesting. And if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. You're like, well, man, I wish I'd have known this when the lotto was really big a couple weeks ago. Good. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about prayer. Just like hell's not the context of this, prayer is not the context. What he is saying here to his disciples is when you guys stay connected to me, your life will be fruitful. And when you speak my words and you share my words, they will produce fruit. It's, you're going to experience fruitful things. Again, it's a big analogy. So the takeaway, and he gets to this, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit. That's the whole point, to bear much fruit. Stay connected to me to bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Okay, one more layer, and then we'll start bringing this together to where we live. What's he mean by fruit? We keep saying this, fruit, 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 fruit. What is this? Because we're not talking about grapes, right? we're talking about people. Just like last week, we got to a point where his audience was like, when he said he's the bread of life, he ain't talking about sunbeam anymore, right? He's not talking about pumpernickel anymore. He's talking about himself. So when Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches, and he's talking about fruit, he ain't talking about grapes anymore. When you look at what Jesus says about bearing fruit in all of his teachings, it comes down to this. Bearing fruit, and I'm summarizing for you, okay? Bearing fruit is about becoming more like Jesus and helping others do the same. Bottom line, our lives are fruitful 
in Christ when we are becoming more like Jesus and helping others do the same. And when we are not becoming more like Jesus and helping others do the same, we are not bearing the fruit that naturally should be experienced in our lives when we are staying closely connected to Jesus the vine, becoming more like him and helping others do the same. So the whole big thing that I just went through with you and Jesus' audience, the big takeaway, the overall impression that they walked away with when Jesus said, I am the vine, and explained all of that, is just simply this. I must stay connected to Jesus. I gotta find a way. I, I gotta make that a focus. I gotta stay connected to Jesus. I mean, it's that simple. That without, Jesus said, without me, it's just not gonna work. You've got to stay connected to me. You can't do this on your own. Hear me very well. My brothers and my sisters, followers of Jesus and those of you that are curious in the 21st century, you cannot do this on your own. Which is a challenge for us for two reasons. It's a challenge for us because, number one, we're human beings and we have a free will. And we like doing things our way. We like doing our own way, the own things our own way. You know, we like being self-sufficient because we're human. And secondly... We're Americans, and as American Christians or Christians who happen to live in America, we are born and bred in the context of independence. Independence, the declaration of, and it's a great thing. And independence works wonderful for a government. In fact, it's, it's probably the best, best form of government going. I think we all would agree. I mean, it ain't perfect, right? If you, don't, if you think it is, there's an election coming. That, that always exposes the weak points, doesn't it? Like, whoa, man. I, I'm sorry, I just ruined your afternoon. Um, but, you know, independence, it's a great thing for government. And it's a wonderful thing for the American way of life. But independence begins to break down in your spiritual life. And I would even say the whole idea of independence, that I got it figured out, I can do it myself. I got it. I got it. I don't need anybody's help. I need anybody's help. I'll figure it out. Also breaks down when it comes to real life in general. Because that, without even realizing that, that's our default. I don't need anybody to tell me what to do. I'll figure it out. I'll find my own way. I, I always have. I put myself up by my own bootstraps. We got all these cliches that describe it, but the attitude behind it is I don't need anyone. I'm independent. I am free. And freedom is great. And freedom works great in the government. Freedom works great in the American way of life. It begins to break down in your spiritual life because here's why. Because Jesus said, I'm the vine. You're the branches. You've got to stay connected to me or you will wither Without me, you really can't do anything. You're not going to bear fruit unless you stay connected to me. You're not going to live the life that you were purposed to live, that God created you to live, that God called you to live, that he's welcomed you into if you don't establish and foster a strong connection with Jesus. So this is why it's tough for us. Because we confuse our independence with the truth that we must live in constant, daily dependence 
to Christ. You see the difference? We get sidetracked up here. We need to focus here. Forget this independent stuff. I am in dependence of the vine. You are too. It's just so challenging for us. Again, the big idea, when Jesus said, I'm the vine, he's saying, you got to stay connected to me. It's all about bearing fruit, not about hell, not about other stuff. It's about living the life that God purposed for you to live. Now, okay, let's bring it back around to how we started, and maybe you, you'll begin to see how it connects to where we live. Let's go back to cell phones. Let's go back to a weak phone connection. See, your phone connection affects a lot, right? How, connect, how strong the connection is. It affects your ability to communicate. We've already covered that. Yeah, we've covered that, right? It affects your ability to find clear direction, your GPS. Have you ever been following your GPS and lose connection and then the screen go green? It's like I am now off the beaten path. <laughs> I am now off the grid. They don't even have a map for this. I don't know if you're like me. I love to explore. Uh, I, I'm never afraid of getting lost because, you know, every road will get you back to where you need to be if you just, you, know, you just got to keep going, right? You eventually will get back to where it's just, that's my theory. And so I'd be driving around sometimes in the mountains. I'm like, huh, I wonder where this one goes. And you just take a few minutes and just, you know, but then the screen goes blank, like, because I'm out of signal. And then you're like, oh, this is exciting. I love it. You know, it's like exploring. Great. In my Honda Pilot, I'm exploring. <laughs> Maybe not. You lose communication, you don't have good direction, and here's the other thing. When you, lose, when you lose strong signal, you don't get to benefit from all the fancy stuff your phone does, all the apps and all the cool stuff your phone does. It stops, that stuff, a lot of that stuff doesn't work right. It just stops working. You lost connection. So when you have a weak connection, I'm going somewhere, just hang with me. When you have a weak connection on your phone, what do you automatically do? Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Like if we're louder, the connection, right? No, it just, we're just moving around, moving around, right? We relocate, we move and make adjustments. Or we realize, oh, I'm on 2%. <laughs> we go recharge. Isn't there always somebody in your life that's perpetually has a phone that's on 4% or less? There's somebody in every family that, that just, just, Hi, my name's hi, my name's Jonathan, and I need to charge my phone. Right? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm on four percent. I'm on two percent. There's somebody in every family. So it's like they just charge it all the way. You know, be a little patient and let it finish, and then you're good to go. And we recharge. In fact, we understand the concept of recharging our phones so much we surround ourselves with recharging ports and stations, don't we? You got a charger. At your, you know, by your bed, I, I bet, or somewhere in your bedroom, you got one in your car, you may have one in your purse, you may have a phone case that is a backup battery charger in and of itself. Are you kidding me? You may have, well, you may be one of those gross people that has one in the bathroom. Stop it. Just stop that. You shouldn't, no, nah, just don't. So the point is, you know the importance of staying recharged on your cell phone, don't you? 
We got chargers everywhere. Hmm. Let's talk about our connection with Christ. Same thing. Your connection with Christ affects your communication. No, it affects, it affects <laughs> that feeling of being disconnected, right? It affects your ability to get clear direction, right? To follow the way. If you're not connected to the way of Jesus, it's hard to follow the way of Jesus. If you don't know the way of Jesus, if you're not learning the ways of Jesus, it's really hard to follow the ways of Jesus and, and to experience the wisdom that comes from the ways of following Jesus. And so it affects your direction, and you're just kind of willy-nilly going on through life, doing the best you can, figuring out on your own. But Jesus said, no, 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 you can't do this apart from me. You can't do this apart from me. It's not going to go well. So it affects communication, it affects direction, and it also, you miss out on a lot of the benefits that come from a strong connection with Jesus. So what do you do? What do you do if you realize I don't have a strong connection with Christ in my life like I should? Well, then you start moving around and you start making adjustments and you start making changes. You start looking in your life to the things that may be blocking the signal spiritually speaking. Maybe you've fallen into some habits and unhealthy habits that you're like, I'm never going to be able to stay closely connected to Christ as long as I keep living this way and thinking this way and doing things this way. Maybe you've made some decisions that you need to walk back and make a different decision. It could be that you need to reprioritize your priorities. You have a lot of different priorities in life. We all do. This whole thing about, you know, there's only one priority and it's Jesus and nothing else matters. Oh, that just sounds spiritual. But that dog don't hunt. It's not true. You've got lots of priorities in your life. But you have to decide which priorities you prioritize over other priorities. Right? That's, that's where it gets kind of tricky. But we look and say, well, maybe I need to reorient all my other priorities under the priority of the way of Jesus, following him, trusting him. Yeah, and so I start readjusting, making different decisions. And we're not done. And you realize I need a strong connection with Jesus. Not only do I relocate and make adjustments and changes, I get really focused on recharging, recharging. The battery of my soul and spirit recharging. Not just once on Sundays. And we're glad you're here. Okay? And this helps. But there's not like some kind of spiritual supercharge that you can get on Sundays and be like, I'm good. I'm good for the next week. And maybe the next two because I got something going on next week. And so I'm just going to make sure I listen real good and I got an extra dose of Jesus and it should carry me for a while. No, that don't work for your phone and it ain't going to work for your life either. All right? And it's not about, it's bigger than here. And we joked, I mean, I was serious, even though I was joking a little bit. I'm like, I'm not that great of a preacher. I'm not that great of a pastor. We're not that great of a church to give you everything you need once a week for the life that you're living and the life that you're facing. You know why? Because life drains your soul battery, your spirit battery. The stuff that you're facing and going through, it's a drain and a pull on you, and you're going to need to stay recharged regularly, daily. So what does that look like? The habits and the rhythms we put into our lives to remind us to stay closely connected to Jesus's love, Jesus's grace, Jesus's forgiveness, Jesus's way. Yeah. It, it, like, Prayer and the Bible, reading, that's what all that's about. 
It's about staying connected to the heart of Jesus. That's music and worship. I don't know, listening to podcasts, reading books. I don't know what it is for you. For me, a lot of times what I need, I just need to get outside. In fact, sometimes my wife will tell me, yeah, you know, we'll touch base. She says, you need to take a walk outside. You need to get outside. You need to go, you know, get in the grass, go walk into the woods, go do something. You got to get outside. She knows me. I get recharged when I'm out in nature. I just do. It's just the way I'm built. I don't know about you, but you need to figure out a way. What recharges your soul, your spirit to help foster that connection with Christ? You need those rhythms. You need those habits. Serving does that. Giving to others does that. I mean, there's just so many things. This is so important. You have to stay connected. That's why Jesus told them, I am the vine. You've got to stay connected to me. If you're going to live the life that he purposed for you to live. And one more thing, just one more thing I want to make sure Don't finish this without making sure we don't miss this. Because this goes back to our independence thing. Is that you're not the only branch on the vine. And this is important. Because, you know, you get this thing where it's just like, all I need is me and Jesus and the Bible on a deserted island and I'd be just fine. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Now, that sounds all good and spiritual when people say, you know, big, bold statements like that. And you just want to go, ooh, that's impressive. It just ain't real and ain't true. We were created for each other. Even introverts need other introverts sometimes to sit in a room and not talk to each other. All right? <laughs> I mean, we need each other. You're not the only branch on the vine. Don't think that you can do this on your own. Here's the deal. We need to stay connected to other people who are connected to Jesus. And when we, get this, stay connected to other people who are connected to Jesus, it helps us stay connected to Jesus. Do you see how that works? That's how we were designed. I'm telling you, you and I need to stay connected. And if we don't, and when we don't, our lives, it's not about just feelings and it's not about just circumstances, but in more ways than that, our lives will begin to wither And we will become fruitless. When Jesus said, here's the key, gang. Life's going to be tough. Life's going to be hard. you got to stay connected to me. It's the only way you're going to make it. It's the only way this is going to work. I'm the vine. You are the branches. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for that clarity. Help me. Help me and help my brothers and sisters when we struggle with the tendency to independently go our own way, go rogue, do our own thing, figuring we got it. Lord, help us to realize that apart from you, our lives, our souls, spirits, the things that matter the most will wither. And you taught your disciples that night what you did just so they would be sure of this thing. They must stay connected. And Father, the same is true for us. Help us to be more concerned about our connection with you as we are making sure our phones stay charged. In fact, the next time we charge our phones and we interact with a spotty signal, may you remind us 
lovingly and graciously tap us on the shoulder and remind us that we need to pay just as much attention, if not more, to what's going on in our hearts, the conditions of our spirit. And may we put the rhythms and habits and actions into place so that we stay connected to you. And not forget to stay connected to other people who are connected to you so that together we can encourage one another. Thank you for being the gardener that is committed to helping us bear fruit. You are for us. You are not against us. So may we work with you in what you're trying to accomplish within us. You are the bread of life. You are the vine. In Jesus' name, amen.